The computer, an extension of the human intellect. The NCOM 511, center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by master control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. I still do not understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. Kevin Flynn, computer genius. Taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. Trapped inside an electronic arena where love and escape do not compute. Welcome to the Aging Hipster Movie Show. I am Bob Serrano. Tonight, we are going back to 1982 and play us a little Space Paranoids. Tonight, we discuss Tron. Welcome to the podcast. Aging Hipster Movie Show. Where we watch our favorite movie. Aging Hipster Movie Show. Tell you why we like them. Aging Hipster Movie Show. Everything we love in the cinema. It's the Aging Hipster Movie Show. And let's go ahead and meet tonight's users. First up is DJ Webmaster, Toby Crines. How are you doing, Toby? Can't wait to play some video games here, Bob. Uh, a little bit of, what is that? Matrix, Revolutions, Vice Squad. All of here. them. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us is our movie expert from Tim Monsters and Tape Freaks. It's Tim Holly. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about Tron. Oh, I bet you are a bunch of great production <laughs> and, sci- uh, and uh, special effects stuff that I'm sure are just uh, really fun to get into. Mm-hmm. And our last user for tonight uh, is our special guest. It's actor, comedian, podcaster, Tristan Miller. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. I love Rotoscope more than I love my own life. So <laughs> there's plenty of it. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, can you kind of please talk about some of your podcasts? I you would, have like 15 or something. I at one point had five, which is what's known as a mistake. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I can I can talk a little bit about it. I'll start with uh, one that I like, which is one I make uh, called uh, the newest one is called Focus Testing, where my friend uh, Tucker Daly Johnson and I improvise a movie based off of a random prompt uh, every every Friday that drops, and then I have a podcast called the amateur detective club where my friends melissa and tyler and i we watch or read mystery media books and movies and tv shows and we review them and it's a pretty good time and that one that one's family friendly so if your little ones like poirot like i do you can listen to your that one uh with them the third one is called Positive and Negative. It's a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. It's an interview podcast. I've had a lot of great guests on, um, including recently Travis McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me, and then um, also probably most notably recently Ahmed Best, who is famous for playing Jar Jar Banks in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And where can they find all of your work? Uh, all of my work, you can go to tristanjmiller.com, and if you really like it, and there are links to their, uh, this there, too, there is a Patreon, patreon.com slash tristanjmiller. Please, I am unemployed, and we all know the situation there. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, I do not have a Patreon, but if you Patreon Tristan, maybe then he'll send me I the money. I will Venmo so, you $3. <laughs> yes. yeah, whatever it takes. Um <laughs> Oh, we also have uh, shirts still up for sale at our. Uh, oh shoot, where is it, Toby? Do you even remember? Um, t-shirts. you <laughs> 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 serves. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, you can just look it up. It's somewhere, and you can buy it's on our website somewhere. The yeah. the internet, as we all know, is extremely limited, and there's only five websites. Yeah, man. exactly. You know, like in Tron, they just like typed in whatever they wanted. They're like, <laughs> yeah, man, system. Yeah, <laughs> so, 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 like just so just put in like buy aging hipster T-shirt. Give Tristan money. Like yeah. that's all you need to do, and uh, that's that's why I've learned about computers today. Yeah. Uh, well, that's so that's uh, fantastic. You know, can you share anything that you really learned from Ahmed Best? Because I know that's probably a really fascinating perspective of um, what he went through. Yeah, uh, from Ahmed, I. Oh, you said from. So I'm like, what wisdom did he impart? Yeah. Um, or something that surprised you? Because I um, think he has a. What surprised me is he used to be a rap artist for when he was younger. And then he also um, grew up in New York during like the eighties. And so he saw like Basquiat just hanging around the village growing up. And so like, he's a really smart cultured dude um, as well as being, in my opinion, I'm, I'm of the generation that like, I was like seven when episode one came out. So that character was like for me specifically, <laughs> it felt like, so, like, in additionally to like being a very funny and good actor, um, he's very intelligent, and he has a great podcast as well called the Afrofuturist Podcast, where he talks about Afrofuturism, which is like um, the the idea is basically what if white people hadn't messed with Africa? Where would you be? Tech- where would they be technologically and stuff like that? Um, that's a very base <laughs> description. It's a lot more complicated <laughs> than. But it also is like promoting um, the black people and like STEM and that sort of thing and like really moving forward. But as far as like 
wisdom goes is like, I mean, he he really is he he imparted that like he really feels grateful that because he almost committed suicide and mm-hmm. he was really grateful that he didn't because he he had a son afterwards and so it was really moving to know that and and to you know kind of uh, be able to hold on because things can get better exponentially you know specifically i think now oh, as yeah, of this definitely. recording like hold on to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. That, that's so fascinating because he yeah if he was in new york and with you know like it sounds like he had such a really kind of um really cultured background mm-hmm. and just because he took a job that's probably really well paying that we would all do if we yeah. had the opportunity <laughs> like he gets yeah he gets thrown off the cliff or something you know yeah the that was something cliff. we kind of talked about as well and like natalie portman signed on for three movies not having read any scripts yeah. So like they they didn't know what the story or you know where it was going and also like he didn't have an agent he was scouted off of the off a of stomp he was doing stomp in New York oh. and they're like that guy moves in an interesting way let's bring him in um but yeah so he was like and he was like 20 something it was mm-hmm. there's a lot of things going on and yeah i i really feel for the guy cuz like he didn't have any control over that situation, yeah. you know? Though Natalie probably should have read some of that script. I'm sure by episode <laughs> two, when they were doing that sand uh, monologue, she's just yeah. like, what am I, I should have, like, read, I should have read it. But like, you can tell that she's like in the middle of going to Harvard in those movies. Yeah. She is like, <laughs> not, she's thinking about like tests in her mind. Um, yeah. You know, it's like the opposite of, I, I was listening to a, um, Apparently, uh, when James Cameron did The Terminator, Arnold didn't want to say, I'll be back. He's like, I'm not going to say it. And James Cameron's like, just say the effing line. It's like uh, the opposite of George Lucas, where, you know, George Lucas is like, say the effing line, Natalie. <laughs> just it, just say it. It's right there. I don't I don't understand. It's fine. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tristan, for being on to talk about Tron. And so before we get into the meat of the matter, um, Tristan, have you ever seen Tron before? No, I had never seen Tron before today. I watched it today. And then my girlfriend is a huge fan of the sequel. And so we watched them back to back. And so if I get confused at any point, it's because I watched them back to back and my (laughs) my mind fused. But I'd never seen it before today. Oh, that's fascinating. How about you, Toby? You've seen Tron before, right? Or I don't think I've ever seen it straight through. Um, <laughs> I've tried to watch it numerous times. Um, similar to uh, the Star Wars episodes one through three, like I keep putting it on, like thinking it's gotten it, it's got to be better than I thought it was. <laughs> but today I watched it straight through. So. Uh, that's funny. It's it is, it is kind of funny because I think I've. I have more memories of playing the video games, the arcade mm-hmm. games of Tron mm-hmm. than I had uh, really watching Tron. I don't think I've watched Tron in probably what 30 years, 25, 20, something like that years. And it's pretty interesting actually sitting down and watching it. Like I totally forgot. There's like 25 minutes of before pre you know, like in the computer world mm-hmm. stuff going on, you know, Tim, you probably watch it every week, right? Or, no, <laughs> uh not that much but no i yeah i grew up with this movie watching it on repeat i had a taped off of 
cable on it, like a beta tape that I would uh-huh. watch like over and over and over again. I mean, I also had like one of the like the the Tron like cycle like car toys when I was a kid. Oh you, yeah, the zip thing you like oh, you yeah. drop on the ground and it shoots across the floor. Yeah. So yeah, this is like burned into my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're talking about uh, Tron Legacies, I think Daft Punk really famously did the soundtrack yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. And I read, though uh, nobody famous did uh, the soundtrack to this, but they were talking to Super Tramp mm-hmm. about nope. doing it. But they, he, they, but they didn't. They, I mean, they use a Journey song, but no, but yeah. the, the score is by Wendy Carlos. Yeah, I mean, that's she's a, like electronic pioneer, and oh. she she did switched on Bach, which was like one of the first like electronic records oh. that was huge. And then she uh, most famously did the scores for The Shining and Clockwork Orange, which are like yeah, two of her only other scores. But I mean, it was Walter Whoa. Carlos became Wendy Carlos and became a kind of like the electronic like crazy pioneer. I mean, so yeah, like. It's. I mean, it, people might not know that name, but she's. Yeah, like me. I feel like an asshole now. <laughs> I mean, this, this is famously also done by an electric electronical engineer, uh, pioneer named Wendy Carlos, um, who we all but, know. It the soundtrack didn't come. Uh, wasn't released for years though, right, Tim? Right. Yeah. The, the the master tapes were damaged, and it took them until like I think it was the twentieth anniversary was when they finally were able to dis like digitally remaster it for an official release. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. did you have something else, Tristan? Oh, just like learning I learned that today as well about the shining and clockwork orange, which is like because initially I thought it was John Williams because there's a lot of motifs that are similar to like the, the first Star Wars film with the clarinets and stuff, but then mm-hmm. it was just that and just having I haven't seen Clockwork Orange, but having heard the shining and then just like that opening theme and like imagining that along with the like the 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 synth beats that yeah, gets, yeah. like was like huh that's it uh, anyway yeah, the shining is made up of, of i mean like the kind of main theme for the shining was is wendy carlos but there's mm. a lot of the like there's a lot more music in the shining that is not her it's like christoph penderecki like a, kind of a famous composer uh, so there's a lot of really unnerving music in the shining mm-hmm. that is actually not wendy carlos but that main like burn, 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 that, yeah. that theme is wendy carlos and it's yeah. like incredible it's so good yeah um, and then like the clockwork orange music that she did was, was very similar to like the switched on bach where it's like kind of classical pieces composed using electronic instruments so it's, yeah it's beautiful <laughs> it's no it really is it's a beautiful soundtrack i loved it a lot so did you want to talk about what we watched this week tim yeah let's get into it uh, so yeah, 1982's Tron uh, was released on July 9th, 1982. Uh, a great, great summer for movies, 1982. Uh, but there was the box office, it, or it, the, it says that the budget was 17 million, and it claims that the the opening weekend was four four million six seven sixty one uh, and change, uh, and then the gross is 33 million. Like I just I just wanted to let you know, Tim, I know that's Ron, and I just keep on putting it from Box Office Mojo, but I think their worldwide totals until probably 2000 or something aren't very accurate, because I know that no. it actually did quite well, like in the UK and stuff, right? Yeah, I think it did better overseas than it did in the US, uh, but it didn't do well just in general. It was considered a, a, a bomb. They were expecting it to be 
a pretty huge hit and it didn't. They re-released it the following year and it actually did worse when they re-released it. Oh no. Uh, but they but the they made like like you were saying Bob is that you remember the video game more than the movie? Yeah. That's a lot of people feel that way because they actually made more money off of the video game than they did from the movie is what I was reading. The, yeah, the, it was like seventy game. million dollars on uh, marketing or merchandise and stuff, and like fifty-four worldwide <laughs> yeah. growth. So it's like, how did they lose money? Like, what did they spend the money on? Because well, was it the, marketing? Yeah, marketing was part of it, but it was. I mean, this production, I, I like I said that that estimated seventeen million budget. I don't believe like there was a lot of problems. Yeah. I mean. Once they opened this can of worms of the processes that they were going through, they kind of realized, similar to when we were talking about The Last Starfighter, there was a lot of uh, uh, technical problems, but we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, it was released by Walt Disney and directed by Steven Lisberger. Uh, it's the, like I said, it was shot on 70 millimeter, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it, was, it was a special type of uh, Kodachrome, like high contrast like film that they were shooting this on. But yeah, so this the the year in 1982, number one film of the year was E.T. Second one was Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Rocky Three. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. <laughs> oh, sweet Rocky Three! Uh, on Golden Pond, Officer and a Gentleman, Porky's, Arthur, Wrath of Con, uh, Star Trek Two, Wrath of Khan, Poltergeist, and the best little whorehouse in Texas is that came in number 10. Uh, you love to see it. Picking yeah. and choosing a few more. You got first uh, Rambo, first blood, which is crazy that it came out the same year as Rocky three. So Stallone was crushing the box office. Uh, you got Conan, the barbarian and a whole bunch of others, but then way down on number 26 came in Tron just, uh, just underneath Tootsie and young doctors in love. <laughs> uh but this the summer of 1982 like you had pretty much back-to-back weekends where you had like conan the barbarian fast times at ridgemont high poltergeist take out the papers and the trash uh but yeah blade runner Not discipline uh, the the Road Warrior, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, E.T., Tron, Dark Crystal, Star Trek II, Rocky Three, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, that's like that's a crazy amount of yeah. films to come out in that summer. Like, all, and then it's crazy too that they're thinking that a lot of those, like The Thing, Blade Runner, Tron, those are all huge bombs when they came out. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a wild summer to have that many insane movies come out. Yeah, yeah, I read somewhere that um, uh, Steven Lisberger and Ridley Scott or something, and like they were just crying one day at somebody's house about their box office flops. Commiserating. Blade, yeah, <laughs> because Blade Runner is about three places down from Tron before, yeah, so uh, below wild. Victor Victoria. Yeah, <laughs> and we yeah we talk about these movies a lot more than any, like, uh, what's another? Yeah, I mean, um, E.T. pretty much crushed everything in its, yeah. in its path. Like, that was like E.T. just dominated so much so that, yeah, like, it, it, the thing, like, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is considered, like, one of the greatest practical horror films, sci-fi horror films ever made, was just a huge bomb. It basically ruined his career for a while. Like, he got a bunch of other projects pulled from him because it bombed so hard because everybody wanted cute, friendly aliens as opposed to the uh, the goopy mm-hmm. craziness that he put out there. I've I've never seen ET. Is it any good? <laughs> Have you really never seen? I've ET? never seen it. No, I I got to like age oh, like twenty one, having never seen it. I'm like I'm never gonna have the joy of a kid to see, process this. 
it's i mean it's a pretty great movie honestly i think i mean it's it i got to see it a couple of years ago at the minnesota orchestra hall with like a live orchestration of the john williams score oh really and it what made it even more special was that i had a, I was surrounded by a bunch of little kids oh. that were just like at the everybody who's seen it knows there's like a, a kind of pivotal point in the third act that it's pretty uh pretty much of like a a gut bomb kind of mm-hmm. sad moment and just these kids like sobbing around oh. me it was like it was pretty intense like just emotional like these like listening to these like a bunch of younger people that like had never seen this movie before or maybe or just were reacting to it like just viscerally it was pretty amazing mm-hmm. is uh, when the Reese's pieces ran out yeah, yeah. Like, we, have, we have no more exactly. candy yep. <laughs> yeah I have a question for you Tim are you from Minnesota uh yes yep I so am I I'm from Rochester oh cool yeah that's oh, all toby's in there too who toby toby yeah. where, where are you from in, in minnesota uh minneapolis okay cool 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 well there we go <laughs> yeah look at that and then i actually lived in uh the twin cities for over a decade before i moved down to austin so that's oh. where well toby and i went to high school together back in illinois so we've known each other forever oh since cool. uh his dad used to bench me in Little League because I was too good, <laughs> and I made his family look bad. And like, um, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> stick up for your family. That's yeah, exactly. the motto. Yeah, you you Toronto on the bench. Put down any any kids who will might outshine your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we, we all drove a U-Haul up to the Twin Cities, and then in the Twin Cities, I met Tim when we worked at the same uh, grocery store. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, I lived in um, Minneapolis for a couple of years, too. It's great. Well, look at it. It's, it's a small world. I think mm-hmm. we're all getting a little bit closer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Except, like, except Tristan, here. you have a vibe. bunch of you have a bunch of holes in your movie knowledge. Have, have, did you watch any of this stuff from 1982? Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen Raiders uh, okay. a lot. Right. Uh, I'll saw- stand down then. Yeah, I've seen Raiders a lot. I've seen Blade Runner. Mm. I have a copy somewhere. I don't know if I like it. I certainly enjoy the aesthetics. <laughs> but every time I watch it, I'm like, it's still going. <laughs> like, how long can they do this? But uh, um, but yeah, like there there was a couple movies. I haven't seen Conan. Um, I oh. I just for the first time this last year in uh, in 2019 saw Rocky, and I was like, man, this is a great movie. It's a wrecking machine. It's hungry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and i i was like wow this this is great uh i should really but like you were listing off movies and i'm like all of these are absolutely iconic right like th- what a heck of a year yeah it's just it, to think about like the like back-to-back weekends you have those, some of those films coming out it's, it's yeah. insanity yeah and like return of the jedi came out in 1980 so there was i suppose like this void of like blockbusters and so i suppose all the the studios are trying to crank them out right well empire was 80 jedi was until 82 three i think okay okay what's on this right it's 83 because it's three years so i'm wrong but anyway there was still a gap to be filled yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and that was totally what they were trying to do with tron was they were disney was desperately trying to get their star wars oh and they eventually yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, Just enough money. It all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think what's also interesting about 1982, like this box office thing, is that um, you have really, really different movies like On Golden Pond, which is a very heavy drama, and mm-hmm. An Officer and a Gentleman, which is 
which is a drama too. It's more of a romance and stuff compared to nowadays. It's basically like Ant-Man versus Wasp is like one and Ant-Man versus Wasp versus Iron Man is two. It's just yeah. like, it's not so yeah. diverse as it was there. I mean, Arthur's seventh, which is, you know, and Porky's. I mean, that's, uh, but anyways, um, should we get into the critics consensus for Tron? Overall, pretty well received. Uh, the consensus from Rotten Tomatoes says, though perhaps not as strong dramatically as it is technologically, Tron is an original and visually stunning piece of science fiction that represents a landmark work in the history of computer animation. It got a 75% from the critics and a 69% audience score. That's another 69%. Nice. The, yeah, they, exactly. The internet is definitely working towards that. Um, <laughs> let's get into our own thoughts about this. Tristan, you have not, you have not seen uh, Tron. You're a Tron neophyte. What, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I think it was spoiled by an f- episode of Fairly Odd Parents called uh, Cyber Chasers, um, where Timmy Turner, the titular Timmy Turner, uh, gets sucked into a computer. And so I was like, oh, I've seen this before. No. Um, <laughs> but no, in, in general, I would say I would kind of agree with the credits of like, wow, this is really cool looking. I love the aesthetic of everything. Um, all the like the polygon villain reminded me of playing tank growing up on like my windows computer. That was really nice. I love it aesthetically. I love, I genuinely do love rotoscoping. I think it looks really cool. Um, it reminded me of the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings, like the, the orcs. They're just <laughs> clearly rotoscoped people in, in, in clothes. What is rotoscope? Um, rotoscope is basically where you animate on top of film more or less mm-hmm. um, like the original lightsabers and star Wars were rotoscoped as were like the blast effects. So I assume the way they did this with the lights and everything. No, it wasn't. No. I mean, there oh, is some, some slight rotoscoping going on, but no, it, I, I'll get into it in a minute, but it, okay. the process that they use in this movie is mind blowing. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> cause that seemed like I mean, when I was watching them, like to like hand do everything, every, Every frame of that would be just absolutely nuts. Um, I think it's really bold, and I understand why. <laughs> I understand why they named it Tron. I think it's really bold to name it after a character that is not the main character. <laughs> but if they had called it Clue, they would have gotten confused. They would have been like the board game. <laughs> yeah. They're missing an E. They're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, did you know that where Tron it comes from? No, uh, Electron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that of course makes sense. Um, but I love Jeff Bridges in this. He's very fun. I've got a great fun energy. Super young, super young Jeff Bridges. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I he, this was before he was like he was like a known entity, but he wasn't like Jeff Bridges, if that makes sense. I feel like with his career, because he had been in a like I looked up his IMDb. He'd been in a few like TV movies at this point, but he hadn't done like Twelve Angry Men or anything. Um. But yeah, he's very good. The my, my I would say my main issue is it gets locked in um, to the computer too quickly. Um, I don't think we get a lot of time to really get to know the characters and really root for them by the end of it because you get to know Jeff Bridges and you get to know his characters like motivation of like I guess proving that he made up the whole thing. Which for me, I'm like. 
And like, we'll get it. If you want to talk about Tron legacy, they really fix that problem of like, Oh, it's emotional. It's about his dad, you know, <laughs> rather than like, I want a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I want to be CEO, you know? <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, I think, but I, I think the aesthetics, I, I would say like, Hmm. It's, pacing is odd because it's a very short film but there are places that still drag and it kind of feels like they extended what were at the time very impressive digital sequences but now since they've they've aged it it feels strange watching it does that make sense Mm -hmm. like the whole sequence with the tanks i'm sure it was like super dope in the theater but watching it on disney plus i'm like oh okay yeah, I was yes. gonna say, did, did you guys all watch it on like on Disney Plus? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm interested because yeah, there, there's they've it's like the Star Wars where they've been retooling it a bit here and oh. there. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, the, only slightly. There's only like some slight things, but yeah, I was just there's. I you, on that note got so mad when I learned they edited out all the cigarettes from the Star Wars documentary that's on. <laughs> Like Harrison is just sitting there like, listen, just do whatever you want. And and they just fully like, I get rid of it digitally. There's about 15 minutes cut from Empire Dreams. Don't get me started about this. Um, Yeah. uh, Please give me a job. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, overall, it was a pretty fun family film. Um, Kind of a a weak motivation from our boy jeff bridges but a very fun charismatic performance uh, all the technology is great the aesthetic is absolutely wild um and yeah some very it, it's a fun movie i'll say that yeah it's almost like um the aesthetic is so unique it just mm-hmm. automatically like kind of just kind you know it ages well that way at least i think so because it's oh. so instead yeah, I mean, of looking incredibly dated or thinking go ahead yeah, Kristen. Yeah, it looks like a video game or it looks like a cartoon. Like, they mm-hmm. really nailed it. Whereas, like, you watch even something like X-Men 3 or X-Men 2, like, and you see the digital effects and it's like, oh, you were trying to make that photorealistic and now it just doesn't look that way. Whereas, yeah. like, they make no attempt to do that. Well, the, the, it's because they hired, the, the, the designers that they hired were, like, these, like, I mean, the top of their game, like, Sid Mead and, and Mobius are kind of, like, two credited designers for this. And, like... Sid Mead had been like he'd you know done a lot of like future he's like a well-known futurist like he was like designing cars of the future and designing all these like and his aesthetics are like are totally like where they're they're kind of grounded in a reality that would be from somebody who would understand potentially where we would be going at that point and then Sid Mead is like this you know insane French like surrealist comic book artist and like the stuff that he does is absolutely incredible if you ever if you don't know that name look up his art and it's just like mind-blowingly cool but he so he brought this like kind of otherworldly and then you mash these like kind of like very grounded like futurist like kind of like i designs mixed with that kind of surreal and you get a beautiful mix of just like i mean that that whole landscape inside the computer is so cool looking toby what do you think about the movie Uh, i thought the visual aesthetic was really unique and neat. Um, but the story made no sense to me. And, um, <laughs> like it, it seemed like they were unsure about whether it was going to be like uh, blade runner or I don't know, some campy, let's say blade runner or the black hole. Disney's the black hole. That's you know, what I was like, thinking of. Um, 
uh, I was thinking like the love the love story is totally dumb, like in campy. Like, mm-hmm. what is the love? I don't even know what the love story is because there's like he kid the you know the, the there's the kiss two kisses at the end. <laughs> like, yeah. like who are we supposed to be rooting for here? Um, did uh, yeah. did Jeff Bridges like bring kissing into the internet and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Is he the is he responsible for porn down the line? <laughs> like, he, I he think started so. kissing. <laughs> you, you can trace DVR deviant art back to tron yeah <laughs> yeah it's um, funny that toby you said that it doesn't seem like they even knew what was going on because they didn't none of them uh, understood yeah. the script they like because there's all this weird gobbledygook like computer lingo that none of them understood uh, at that point in time so they were just like saying lines that they had no understanding of what they meant wow <laughs> i'll give it to jeff though he gives a very like faster and more intense uh performance that is very he seemed knowledgeable but yeah. so that's fun yeah yeah you know toby i rewatched a little bit of tron before coming on again um because i was because i was thinking about it, it's like what what's motivating them to like break into income anyways and it seems like it's pretty flimsy like obviously uh jeff bridges just wants to uh get it's it's revenge but alan the other guy like they just shut it down for two days, and he's like, "Heck with this!" <laughs> like, I'm breaking in. It's like otherwise, like if I was working there, I'd be like, "Okay, can I take two days off?" Right. Like, you know? yeah, form a union if you don't like it. It's fine. Yeah, it's like um, because Dillinger really didn't say anything other than it's like, "Oh, we 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 started to get hacked, so we shut it down," which seems pretty reasonable, right. you know. <laughs> And he, and then Alan's like, "I'll show you. I'm going to hack you." <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, oh, oh! I'm so sorry. There's a scene that I really want to talk about where they're sneaking towards the the weird laser thing, and Jeff Bridges like does this <laughs> this sneaking bit. He does like a bit. Uh, the, oh the yeah, he, he like hides the, and the, tries to startle her. The yeah, yeah, monster. For, yeah, for no reason. Yeah. Number one. And number two, initially, I just thought, like, is Jeff, like, really bad at sneaking? Has he never had to do it before? It was, it made me laugh out loud. It actually genuinely, there was, there it was very fun. I wonder I if it was, like, it improvised like, by him. Because it doesn't make any sense. Like, they're, they're trying to get in there to do this, like, hacking mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Like, why is he being all, like, I mean, I guess he's, that's kind of his character. Is he sort of, like, doesn't really care and he's kind of goofy. But, like, oh, that's, that's such true. a weird yeah. thing to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, and then doesn't he like hide somewhere? Or yeah, something? he hides yeah. behind like... a cubicle, and, and then she's like, "Where'd he go?" And <laughs> <laughs> he jumps out from behind the cubicle. I also noticed he's the only one that doesn't wear glasses, which is how you know he's cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he owns a video game. Part of the, oh, this is another part where it's a. Uh, if in the last Starfighter, we were talking about how everybody was really enthusiastic about video games, and we know in real life they don't care. This is another <laughs> one where they're just like watching Flynn. They're like, "Go, go for the world record!" And you know, it's on the world's now. It's like now it looks like the world's slowest video game. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, just, um, but everyone's just like cheering him on, and he's just like, "Yeah, yeah." And... Well, it's like is the game over? Like he blew up another tank, and then he like he doesn't die. Like, like he just walks away. He's like, oh, it's all on the wrist. It's like, wait, are you still playing? Like <laughs> he's like, I've scored enough. <laughs> Done. I love how he has pit stains, though. That yeah. was a very yeah. fun moment. And he was in the um, time of his life that he could take off his uh, shirt on yeah. camera, and then he, mm-hmm. he was on and off. He was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, what did you think? 
upon I mean, rewatch. I, yeah, I, I I had rewatched it probably. I think maybe it was like last time I saw it was like maybe like eight or ten years ago. Um, probably around when the when Legacy came out, I guess maybe. But uh, I yeah, like I said, like I grew up with this movie. Like I, there was something about the aesthetic that I was just drawn to as a kid. And I just like absolutely loved it. Like I didn't understand the story and I still don't, I guess, to a certain degree. Like, I mean, I do, but it's like, it's just like, it is like a bit of a, like it's kind of a bit of a mess pacing wise. And some of that, like the, the, just the structure of it is such, so odd, but I can't like, that's fine for what it is. Like if it was, if it didn't have the aesthetic, it'd be a pretty forgettable, forgettable, but the world that they build and like the design of everything is just like, I love it so much. I mean, that's a good point because there are times, like Tristan said, it's only an hour and a half, so it's not that long. But I remember there's times where it's just like, are they still just f- going down this beam of light? Oh, like, yeah. come on, like, like yeah. we get it. Like, can we do something else? Uh, like, Pacing in Mulholland Drive makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> the, the light, it was so, the, the pod was going so slow. Like, it wasn't that the beam was long. It was that it was going like one mile an hour. Like the solar sailor scene you're talking yeah. about? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh, man, there was something. Never mind. Well, I think Tristan was saying, like, it would be insane if they hand-drawn every, yeah. every frame. So let's get into uh, Tim's production tidbits to see how insane they were. Tim, they didn't really color it frame by frame, did they? No, it's more insane than that. So, <laughs> real quick, Steven Lisberger, he's basically only known for Tron, the, the, the writer director. So he he came from animation, and he had a, like a small animation studio in Boston, and they did this. He, they were trying to experiment with new animation styles. And one of the things that they had figured out was like through high contrast animation, they would backlight this, the cells and they, it, was a, it was like a backlit animation is basically what it ended up being. And they did this test. There's this like electron guy who's like, basically looks like neon lights. He's like an outline, like sort of muscular guy that they animated and they called him Tron because he was like, he was an electron and they sold that to a bunch of radio stations around the country to use as like a like a promo commercial. He did a lot of commercial work, and then they they got signed to do this like, kind of uh, this animation short film called it was like the Animal Olympics, and it was going to be aired during the Olympics at that time period, where they were an intercut to these like animated like different animals doing Olympic feats. And they got they signed a contract with a bunch of like television studios to do this Animal Olympics. They do two of them. One of them never happened because of the the banning of the Olympics that year. But anyway, they couldn't animate as they thought they could do it with the six person team that they had. And they realized they couldn't. So they had to move out to LA assemble, like build an animation studio overnight to try and do this animal Olympics thing. And then the process, they took that Tron thing and pitched to Disney who was desperate for a new film to try and cash in on the star Wars boom. Uh, they had just recently done black hole or like, like when they pitched it, black hole was in the works and Black Hole, as we all know, was also a huge bomb for them. Uh, but at that point, Disney was very much considered like an like out of date. Like they were like the old studio that wasn't innovating anymore, and nobody cared about them because all they were doing was like Herbie movies and like recycling their old like their old animation movies back into theaters. So it was like at that point, they were just looking for anything to try and make themselves fresh and new. And so Steve Lisberger pitched Tron to them with this process, this backlit animation style process 
and they so they 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 didn't really understand what he was talking about. I don't think anybody did. But so he they they let him film a test reel where they, he hired a, a like a world class frisbee thrower, and they decked him out in this like this like outfit from Black Holes production and shot him with a white background, and then they animated it to like with this process that he was talking about realizing that they, they loved it but then they realized early on that that a white background was never going to work because there was no there's not enough lights to light what they would need to do to do a whole movie that way so they had to change it to a black background which creates mat basically matting around the, the images and then they backlit it but in order to do that they had to do each every single frame so like if you in like okay, real quick if if you know about animation or if you know about film every single second there's 24 frames right so every single frame for every second of film you see, you see there's 24 frames go in front of the lens every single frame was blown up to a 20 by 14 giant frame and then layered with mats and they had different exposure passes so like it would be like the body would get one exposure the the, the electronics would get one pass the face would get one pass the helmet would get one pass the eyes and the teeth would get one pass and so on a, on a simple frame you have a minimum of seven passes that eat every single frame that would pat go through but on more complex ones there's 40 or more passes on a single frame of film so if you're looking at like a second of film that's like 700 800 passes into the camera for a second of film to create that look which is complete insanity so they would like they were hand drawing some of these mats and they were like basically it was like the, yeah it was like this this special high contrast film that they're exporting it into so all the film is shot black and white and then they're they're coloring it with this process but then they realized that it was going to take them about 60 to 80 months to finish the movie at the, the rate that they were going. So they exported all the matting to an animation studio in South Korea who did it quickly. And then they shipped it back, but they shipped it back while it was still wet and all the cells stuck together. So they had to still hand like, like touch it up. It's like a complete nightmare, but somehow they pulled it off because it's like what you see on, on, on film is looks like no, no other movie for that very reason that nobody in their right mind would ever try this again because it just it like is so much insane work so if you look at like the way that the light up like the lighting in the in the helmet and that like kind of when they turn sometimes it doesn't completely fill it's yeah. like it's just because those the lines were getting too thin and the light wouldn't shine through and it's like it's crazy you can if you can see shots like they have like a breakdown of like each frame and like all the different layers that went into it like in the it, like just hand like processing it and it's complete insanity. Uh, but the other funny thing was that they got all this film from Kodak and in boxes that were numbered. And you're supposed to do when you have this much film, you're supposed to go in order. And so because the emulsion over time will kind of fluctuate a little bit and you will have like some inconsistencies. Well, they didn't know that. So they started just taking random boxes and processing it. And then they started having these, these issues where like from one reel to the next, there'd be like, the emulsion would change enough where it would be like a, enough for like a half f stop and you'd get a flash of light like where like the, the exposure would shift so that so in the new version that's on disney plus they removed that but at the time they didn't there's no way that they could do they could do away with that so they what they did is if you watch the original film or if you've seen it before there's moments where like it's like the whole screen kind of flashes like lights up a little bit and they added like electronic sound so it's like a glitch in the in the the matrix <laughs> That like created it. And it's crazy because like for a lot, I mean, like it was a cool aesthetic 
and like it actually like made it like a very interesting and I, I was kind of disappointed when i rewatched it that they, that that wasn't there because it was like it took away like a little bit of the element of you know, the, the atmosphere of the film but i guess because of steven lisberger like was really pissed that that even happened in the first place they went back and digitally changed it <laughs> that uh, is I guess nuts. The, yeah it's 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 crazy uh like the 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 suits that they were wearing were motocross pads and Cooper hockey helmets. So like anybody who lives in Minnesota would recognize those helmets probably immediately. <laughs> uh, but they drew on them. They were like what painted white and then they would draw the lines on with Sharpies uh, was how they, they would do the, the costuming, which is, or like they had used some, some tape in instances, but it was mostly, yeah, just like Sharpies and Cooper hockey helmets, which is <laughs> such an odd, strange look. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like then and it's like, if it's that hard, why did they make so much of the movie in, the computer and then why they spend so much time on that stupid sailboat or whatever well, <laughs> you know? so the, the solar sailor was that was part of one of the cgi elements and yeah. there, there was oh, the huge... cgi which is crazy too right yeah Tim? yeah because so, they couldn't go ahead no no they couldn't what well because they they had that they took the camera and just like put it up to the computer screen right pretty Basically. much yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no way to import it at that point. They're literally yeah, filming. But, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because it was it was. This is the first film to ever implement that much CGI. Oh into my it. gosh! Like it was 15 minutes of CGI, which uh, took three Lucas different. Lucas must have been pissed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, before this, like the same year, Wrath of Khan. There's that. There's like a one sequence in that that's animated. That's a, using CGI. And then you have like an alien in the Star Wars. You have some of that grid matrix stuff that was done with computers. Mm-hmm. But before that, this was the 15 full minutes of CGI footage being used in a film. And there's so much that they had to outsource it to three separate studios to do like the, the tunnel thing when they go into the computer. Mm-hmm. One studio was in charge right. of that. And I think the opening animation with the logo and then the one studio did the, I think the light cycles and the tanks. And then another studio did the, the face like the the at the end and the solar sailor but the solar sailor thing was a huge thing because they steve lisberger was like the sail has to be translucent it has to be and like they're like it's like it's gonna take us like another like six months if you want it to be and like they're like fought and until he finally got his way and they 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 went with the translucent sail which he was very proud of but that mm-hmm. was a huge thing it was almost gonna like kill the movie at that point uh, but then the, the, because they use computers to do the 15 minutes of footage, the, the, uh, the Academy Awards said that they cheated and were not eligible to be, uh, nominated for best special effects for that year. I wish oh. they still had that rule. Yeah. <laughs> That's a oh good rule. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Who won that year? Was it E.T.? It must've been. Yeah. 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 Gotta be. That. That's so it's great to know that the technique that I was using as like a 13 year old with my camcorder was used professionally at some point. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I love how Disney has not changed at all. Of like, man, ugh, uh, uh, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, we'll just send it to Korea. They'll fix it. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> now, so Black Hole was a, a flop and this was a flop. Yep. Black Hole. Uh, I read somewhere like like these two movies caused Disney to really stop doing live action for like 10 years. Is that true? Yeah. There was no live action Disney for 10 years following Tron because it was such a bomb, Uh, which is, yeah, it's, that's nuts. Which is Uh, so wild because it's so iconic now. And like, we're all talking about like how much we love the aesthetic and like 
I'd never seen either of the films until today, but I knew that. Yeah, yeah. you know, they're making Tron three with uh, yeah. Jared Leto. Yeah, Which, they just announced it. I'm actually really excited about that because the if you look at the way society interacts with like tech corporations in the two movies that have um, come out, I'm really because they have something to say about it. Of like, mm-hmm. you know, the first one, you know, it's like it's it's pretty similar themes of like people getting screwed over. Um, but I can't wait for them to see like, is there going to be an app? <laughs> like, are they going to? talk about like oh we're data mining and that's what the ceo is doing this time you know yeah that mm-hmm. kind of thing <laughs> you know yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot to use I mean, which I, I assume that they were going to go maybe deeper into that stuff when tron legacy came out but i mean i think they did an interesting job of updating it and at, like continuing the story in an interesting way i'm just curious where they go with it with this a new director and a new i'm sure steven lisberger will still be involved in some regard mm-hmm uh, speaking of good old Steven, you mentioned the Animal Olympics. This was a 75-minute uh, uh, animated feature that for the 1980 Olympics. I'm just going to – I got into this today. Um, it's ridiculous. You can go to YouTube and watch all 75 minutes. I'm just going to play a few seconds here just to give you a taste. Running is determination, endurance, the wall. Viva la victory! That's Renee shape we form of Kit Mumbo. This is a uh, a very busty cat of some sort. With, and now it's a, a video, or a, it's all animated, but it's like her sexy butt bouncing back. Oh my god! So Steven Lisberger was a furry artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Even Ralph Bakshi's like, that's too racy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to hold back. Oh, Toby, let's segue into our discussion and quiz. So I'm a sucker for quizzes and throughout our discussion of the movie Tron, I'm going to right here, I'm going to be lobbying pixelated questions. I am my own Tron tank and I am just shooting blocks at you. Today's topic is going to be computers and also a little bit of Tron trivia. We're going to start off with some computer trivia. Question number one, what year was the first spam email sent? Think about for a couple seconds. What year? What year? All right, Toby. I'm going to say 1981. Okay. <laughs> Tim? Uh, 1986. All right. And Tristan? Oh, I'm going to go with 93. I bet. Is it like prices right rules or <laughs> oh, no, no, we're just going to go closest. And the closest is Toby. The first spam email was sent by Gary Thurick in 1978. Wow. He found, yep. Let's say when, when was found... when was the email invented? 78? No, it was like 71 or something. <laughs> okay. But it was only like a bunch of people that were that <laughs> is like universities and people mm. that there's he found like about three hundred 
email addresses for the West Coast, and he was trying to sell computers, and he so he just sent them all. And what's funny about this is that the reaction, of course, wasn't so good because the modems in 1978 were so slow downloading a long email like it, which is like I could I have it here, but it's like a whole bunch of like, hey, come to uh, uh, we got two showrooms showing the deck system 2020, 2020, 2060 (laughs) and like like that. Long time, and uh, so like it took a long time to download this email, and it choked people's (laughs) computers. And uh, it said apparently it shut down a system at the University of Utah, yeah. And then the Defense Communications Agency also, and that that's because at the end of it there was a Batman logo. (laughs) 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 Uh, And so that Toby gets a point for that. All right. right, um, So what was our favorite parts of the movie? Our favorite parts. Does anybody? Hmm. Let's start. Off with, how, how about Tim? What was your favorite part of the movie? Um. Oh man, I guess I don't know. I, I guess I lo- I love the 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 tank, like not like necessarily the tank scene, but like I love the aesthetic of the insides of the tank and how all that works. And like those shots, I would just like have always been like drawn to, like mm-hmm. looking at stills of that. So I guess I mean like. I would say that the tank sequences with with bit like screaming yes and no at him. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. You know, I really um what I really liked. I don't know if you guys remember Kelvin and Hobbs. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Um there was there's that he had this one fantasy that there's a bunch of little Kelvins would were driving him as like a big, you know, like it was also kind of also, also in like Herman's head where you had oh, the four yeah. different P avatars yeah. in there. So I, I was very interested in the fact that you could have kind of almost like animate, like uh, what would you call avatars of yourself within mm-hmm. the, the computer kind of doing your, so I, I think that's what was my favorite part of the movie. That was really kind of, cause, cause I had those things like, what if there's like, what if I was just like a meat ship and I had a bunch <laughs> of people driving me around like right. inside out or something. Uh, you right. know? So I, uh... And so I really like that part. Um, Toby, what what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, the part that I got most excited about was the arcade scenes. Um, just because <laughs> I love arcades, and like, oh, I know, I, I I'm watching. I'm like, I should buy an arcade. <laughs> like, that looks uh, awesome. Family, guess what? <laughs> I have a new plan. <laughs> All of our money is going into an arcade. <laughs> particularly profitable right yeah. now right. <laughs> I, I, I love when they pull up outside the arcades like don't put a quarter in the meter we're gonna need that for one of the games but they didn't play they didn't play, yeah, no, they didn't play yeah. and then also they got a parking ticket it turns out <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh tristan uh, favorite part credits bitch no um <laughs> I'm kidding. It was over. Yeah, exactly. No, um, I really liked the arcade scene too, and like when they went and they uh, they talked to him about like the the when uh, we had people, human people, relating to each other in a way yeah. that was genuine, and nice. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, the tank sequence is also very good. I liked the uh, bikes; they were fun. But my favorite dynamic was the CEO and like the evil computer. It felt. <laughs> It felt very like Vader Emperor. It's very straight. It's also like at one point, (laughs) 
I'm so sorry. I'm making myself laugh. Uh, <laughs> he's just remembering something. Uh, at one point, he brings up like they wouldn't want to see this file of yours, and like an image of a notebook <laughs> comes up. <laughs> like what is happening? <laughs> uh, so that made me laugh. That dynamic was really fun. I kept thinking that um, the the bad guy was like uh, Agua Teen Hunger Force character yeah, you know I'm yeah. about? 100% or if you remember or if you were uh, a fan of homestarrunner.com uh-huh. growing up no no okay. yeah yeah mm-hmm. no yeah. your head explode that whole thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. um th- there was something I wanted to touch on maybe not the trivia part isn't the best place but ready player one wishes so hard that it was this movie like that is all I could think. I was like, mm-hmm. "Wow, he really swung for those fences of trying to make it this, huh?" Clearly, it was huge a huge Tron fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people. It's almost like this movie was made as like a sacrifice for the future, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a very there's a fam- very famous animator in Disney Studios that was very inspired by this whole thing. Uh, John Lasseter was was, uh, was there at the time and w- was observing all this and later said this was a big part of how he went on to found Pixar, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a bunch of people like that. So it, it just had to be done. Yeah. You had to you had to create some sort of box office bomb just to get <laughs> <laughs> just to push it along. It's just insane that the, the plot in itself is such a strange like for a family kids movie that's being made by yeah. disney and it's like it's got this whole like weird like kind of religious thing with the the users and the programs and all that mm-hmm. stuff like all like they, you know mm-hmm. the, the users must have some sort of grand grand design and then like and then like even like the one guy he runs into in the jail cell where who's like the financial program and just goes on and like this like financial planning monologue where it's like this is for kids like what are you even talking <laughs> yeah. about right yeah. <laughs> It's like I like helping people figure out their finances at a low cost. <laughs> <laughs> Turns directly to the camera, yeah, and yeah. that person can All be right. you. Call five five five. Yes. Um, you know, I think you have a good point because it's almost like what if they had it where you were kind of going back and forth between the real world and the Tron world mm. because they because Alan sort of just disappears. Yeah. And you don't really know. He's yeah. the, and he finally talks to Tron and he gives him like there's no way if you are like a computer programmer that you're like, good luck, my program. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't help you any longer. There's no you know? way for you to be improved. Yeah, yeah. I kept expecting them to cut back and like there to be tension that way. Like maybe the CEO was going to show up in some capacity Mm -hmm. as a different terminal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Or they, (laughs) or that they noticed that their friend Jeff Bridges disappeared in (laughs) any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Yeah, it also wasn't clear how much time had passed in the real world. Like I was because they kept talking about microseconds, and I was like. Has it been like one minute in the real world time? And, uh, you know, it would have been cool to explore that. Yeah. yeah. You don't even know if, if they even realize he got sucked into the computer or not. Right. Like, <laughs> All right. Question two. The computer outfits in the movie were very revealing. They actually had they were informed that when they went to the cafeteria, they had to put on like robes or something. <laughs> Which actor had too big of a bulge and had to wear a dance belt to conceal it? Hmm. Think about it. Think about it. Tristan. 
Who do you think? I'm going to go with Bridges because I know he's pretty tall. All right. Tem? <laughs> Bridges. Toby? Uh, no, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Tron, the Tron character. Oh, uh, Babylon 5's Bruce, uh, Bruce Boxleitner? Yes. It was Jeff Bridges. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, they're like... More like Jeff Bridges, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Thank Suppose, you. Supposedly everybody had to wear dance belts by the, like after a while. I think they gave it to Jeff Bridges, and then I think they all ended up having to wear dance belts. Because <laughs> there, there's an interview with Bruce Boxleiter who's just like talking about how they're all like they were all very uncomfortable on set like because of the, the outfits. <laughs> I can't or maybe because they knew like what Jeff was packing yeah, and what yeah. they were packing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need a Jeff to place too. But like I can't I can't believe they didn't start with that. Like having done some theater and worn <laughs> some tights. That's like the first conversation you have with the costume directors like mm-hmm. now listen. About about your package? Is that Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, can what you no. enhance it a little what, bit? Like, yeah, what is the conversation? <laughs> Can, can I put a, a string of cheese down there? Like, <laughs> no conversation. Like, if you're doing like Shakespeare and you're doing like sword fighting or you're dancing, you know, you have to. Otherwise, like, it's not for vanity, but for like not getting um, how we say whiplash, <laughs> okay, or some discomfort. Uh-huh. No, I like whiplash. Yeah, not my <laughs> tempo. Um. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so, picture whiplash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like like uh, when, I, when I'm uh, doing the dishes and like the kid taps me on the shoulder. What? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> whiplash. <laughs> like a wacky inflatable tube man down there. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh. All right. So if if you look at how they portrayed computers or computer use or computer culture, was Tron kind of right on or is it a little dated? What do you guys think? Toby, you you make your living in the computer world. What do you think? <laughs> I didn't like how they portrayed my me and my fellow uh computer people as super hot sexy people <laughs> so, how dare you, you sir you just remove our glasses we look really uh, good uh, <laughs> you know what i really liked that i wanted to also uh, bring up is that he had a popcorn popper in his uh cubicle yeah if you guys remember it's like how does he get away with doing that like while pe- everyone's there just like, <laughs> <laughs> everybody hates him <laughs> you know one thing speaking of the cubicle he had the uh the words on the the cubicle from um yeah daily earth is still yes yeah Klaatu, whatever uh barata nikto yeah yeah that was cool how about you tim what did you think about i mean i think they 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 did their research like for a time period where some of this stuff was you know like i was saying like nobody really knew what the hell was going on and like there's like very Mm -hmm. you know like they clearly did the research and i think that like some of the stuff that they got right but there's clearly like so, some liberties that they took and some you know or like some of their predictions weren't quite accurate <laughs> yeah um like uh elevator that just said like laser lab too like let's go to laser lab button. yeah let's set up the laser like right in back of the, uh, the computer station <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't guess- worry about that 
that laser it was a real like an actual like high powered like laser that was like for nasa or something like it was in the place where they're filming and they were able to use it but like it was a very dangerous laser and also supposedly where that giant door opens up you know yeah. like outside there there was like an area that was like roped off that they weren't allowed to go into because there was a radioactive spill and well, the actress walked into it at one point and they had to like, stop everything and then get her out of there and have her like legs cleaned like and stuff like that, like her shoes cleaned because she had gotten like radioactive materials on her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my. She's ideal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about you, Tristan? Now, Did- as far as the culture goes, I think they were pretty good um, about it in as much as like, the CEO is evil and, <laughs> and the people are clearly overworked and someone's idea was stolen. So I think yeah. they nailed those parts. There was a character I forgot to mention, the old man being there. Oh, so there's mm-hmm. an old, an older gentleman who is socially awkward. I think that's probably realistic. Having my, my father growing up worked at IBM and having visited him a few times. Uh, the founder, you know, yeah. the uh, and he's crotchety. He's like, "What are you doing to my company?" And they're, they're <laughs> like, "You can't do anything about it." And the thing is, I know a guy who founded a huge, big billion-dollar company that you've all heard of, and he he's similarly I'm crotchety. Apple, what's that? What's <laughs> Apple? <laughs> no, not Apple. But um, uh, he's crotchety about it. Like he's got hundred million in the bank, and he's like, "Ah, they're taking it and ruining it," you know. <laughs> But because he doesn't have control anymore because he sold it, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, we're totally willing to sell whatever it takes for a hundred million. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, okay. Question three. How much memory and how much hard drive space did the anim- animators need for Tron's computer effects? I was thinking sixty-four uh, K of memory and 128k of hard drive (laughs) one megabyte of hard drive (laughs) okay tim do you know this i think i do but i i know that like they in the interviews they had mentioned that like all the computers that they were using on this movie combined are not as powerful as like a, a, a regular cell phone nowadays yeah like they it was just so much rendering but i believe it was like two megabytes or something i think think like of memory and then like it was like it was like a couple hundred megabytes of storage or if I, something like that but i might be that might be Tr- wrong i should with tristan do you believe him or no um, i might have to give everyone a point here oh i well, kind of screwed up okay you go with your uh choice okay well i i i believe him but my my answer is uh bigger than a bread box uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the only uh, unit of measure i use <laughs> So I I just somebody else brought up the bread box thing. I had never heard it until the what's that? The British office. There's this joke they tell in the British office that cannot be told here and will never be told in PC America again. Um, But uh, yeah, the bread box. It's (laughs) okay. I might have to. I was just thinking of like a box with bread, but maybe (laughs) something more. Uh, The actual the answer is two megabytes of memory. And 330 megabytes of storage. Wow. That's an impressive so, yeah. computer. Oh. Yeah. 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 Okay. So who's our favorite character? There's only like 
three or four of them, right? <laughs> I mean, are, are there any characters worth really liking? Well, so I, I thought about this a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll like it. Well, while you were watching like, the film. I recognized the, the woman, the love interest. <laughs> and I was like, who is she? And then I realized she's Lacey Underall. And so I got oh, the, that's the right. clip, uh, just of Lacey Under. It's a Lacey Underall clip. Turns! Spawning! How many times have I spoken to you about your language? Sorry, Grandpa, I forgot. Lacey. <laughs> uh, Bishop Pickering, Dr. Beaver, this is my niece, Lacey Underall. Lacey's mother has sent her to us for the summer. Must be a nice change from dreary old Manhattan. Yes, I was getting really tired of having fun all the time. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Double turns. Spalding. Spalding. <laughs> Spalding. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's my favorite character just because I love Caddyshack and oh, yeah. <laughs> by association. So I mean, none of them are really that, like, I don't know, likable. I guess we can give or take. I can't. It's too bad Ram died, I guess. You know, I liked I Ram the best. Yeah, now that you mention it. Did he actually? He didn't die? The, oh, Ram. Ram he was he the derezzed. Yeah, yeah, he got uh, derezzed. Res in peace. I like, yeah. I like, yeah, okay, Res was, uh, Ram was, yeah, they all kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree with you uh-huh. all. Um, I really enjoyed Jeff Bridges in, uh, when he was not in the computer, when he was being very affable. I love an affable Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. aka always Jeff Bridges. Um, I liked him. I really liked the old man. I thought he was very funny. Yeah, I guess. He, yeah, he sacrificed himself. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and I liked the the Lacey, the Lacey Underall character. <laughs> I thought she was very fun. Uh, I like, I, I think the, I think, okay, this is what, I think I liked all the actors. I think the characters are poorly written. Does that make sense? I yeah, think they're all very charming actors doing that's true. really well for what they're given, which is incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah, because like Kevin Flynn is all just like, he stole my stuff. I should be in charge of everything. And at the end, he's like, I'm in charge, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, give and, me hugs. Yeah. Ends, and they're yeah. like, do you get that a city is like a circuit board? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and they were all best friends. It was like, you know, friends, the show. Yeah. The yeah. I, yeah. I don't think if I uh, do a bunch of betrayal to get someone into CEO, they're not going to hug me like in a real business environment. No, I don't know. No. Um, speaking of the, I couldn't. I was trying to like figure out like what's a good clip to from this movie to show, and I couldn't like f- think of a good one. So I just have the dude here. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? <laughs> wait, wait. Let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. You know uh, that or uh, his dudeness or. Uh, Duder or uh, you know El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> Do you think like the pacing would be slower if the dude was uh, in Tron? Like, would we have <laughs> he, not he even is, gotten out of it? I mean, in, if you if you have you seen Tron Legacy? I mean, yeah. he's basically the dude inside the computer oh. in Tron Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> um, my girlfriend was saying there's this fun metatextual thing of like we're not going to pretend like Jeff Bridges doesn't look like someone who smokes a ton of weed, so we're just gonna <laughs> yeah. just gonna let it happen. Yeah, he's like all new agey, like kind of like hippie inside yeah. the computer, and it's it's pretty pretty great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Tim, favorite character. 
I think Jeff Bridges. I mean, I just love I love him in this. I think that like especially that arcade scene and he's and he did his little monologue or whatever or his scene up in the his little apartment when he's like, "Come on, man!" It's like there's got to be something. It's, you know, like when he does that whole speech, it's like I love I love his just kind of ridiculous. Like you know, he's just going for it and everybody's just kind of stepping back and letting them run. Uh, speaking of ridiculous, um, what did you guys think about the proof that they actually came back with? It was just like a couple sentences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> as you can see, I've also laminated it. Yeah. Like, what? Yes. Yeah. Supposedly it was more in depth in the script, and then they didn't think the audience would understand it, so they just had to sim- keep simplifying it. <laughs> to the point where they just goes like got like two lines on a piece of paper. So <laughs> 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 wacky. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, okay. Question four: For twenty years, from nineteen or for about twenty years, from nineteen sixty-two to nineteen seventy-seven, what was the launch code for the U.S. nuclear missile stuff? Ooh. What was the passcode? Launch code. I'm gonna go with one, two, three, four. <laughs> All right, Tim. That was good. I was gonna say one, two, three, four, five, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you can still go. <laughs> I was thinking it might be like something more complex than that, but like you know, like the scores of the last four World Series or something. <laughs> or, you know, like. Mm. Uh, no, it was uh, zero 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 zero. Zero zero. Oh my god. Zero zero. It was eight zeros. <laughs> oh you know? that's great. I wish I had the space balls clip. Uh, oh. if you can believe it, it was oh nine uh one two yeah. two zero zero one. Oh. They knew somehow. Oh my god. No. Yep, that's how close we wow. were to annihilation. Oh, um no. would you guys no. like or regret having like a Tron avatar on the internet? <laughs> You think about this, like would it, would they be like, you're into this? Like, <laughs> think of all the porn. <laughs> oh, I understand. Like an avatar, you can communicate with. Yeah, like, he's like, <laughs> 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 all right. please pick somebody Wait, new. I just showed you that. I just showed you the different way. You want me to get another one? So <laughs> soon? Whoa, whoa, whoa! You have too many tabs open right now. I cannot concentrate. <laughs> Oh. oh, oh my gosh! Um, I would I I think I would think it would be fun, but like, then you get the whole like, well, is this is this a sentient being? Yeah. Am I abusing? Like, I think I would, and I've thought about this a lot, a lot actually, because I like sci-fi. It's like I think I would feel uncomfortable if it like looked human. I think it was like just a voice, maybe. Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't think I want to see anything that looks like me ever. <laughs> This whole call has been a nightmare. (laughs) Um, No, also, like, that'd be so weird. If you stop and you think about it, like, looking at yourself like that, like, not in a mirror, like, ooh, ooh, that would mess me up psychologically. I don't think I want it. I I talked myself out of it. (laughs) So thank you. Another person to disappoint, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Even then to tell him, he's like, you're here, almighty Toby. What do you do for a yeah. I don't know. I have four or three kids and it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to Pornhub, guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
question five tron's release date was originally going to be christmas uh but they moved it disney moved it out of spite what movie did disney want to crush in 1982 well it's not tootsie yes it's not the best little whorehouse in texas no um or arthur Anybody have any? Well, it's got to be E.T., right? That's, that's my only thought, but I don't know. Yeah. The Raiders of the Lost Ark thing? Yeah, I was thinking no. Raiders. But, yeah. It was The Secret of Nim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, because they hate him. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? yeah, Don Bluth. <laughs> What's the story? I don't Don, Don Bluth was an animator that was rivaling Disney, and like he left Disney Studios to start his own. He's the one who did like American Tale, and uh, um, he did uh, that Space Ace video game and Dragon Slayer. Um, but uh, yeah, he was that Secret of Nim was a Don Bluth production, so that makes that actually makes sense. Yeah, Disney's just like just uh, maliciously trying to crush wow. anything that he's doing. Yeah, because oh I think he shit talked him on the way out, right? Mm-hmm. Just sort of, oh yeah, yeah, he burned that bridge hard. He took animators with him too. Yeah, similar to uh, what is it, a, a Katzenberg situation, or am I thinking Lassiter? No, who helped form DreamWorks? Katzenberg, yeah, right? Katzenberg, yeah. yeah. Lassiter's, yeah, he did a Pixar. similar thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. That's so funny. I'm sorry, that's so mean <laughs> yeah. for no reason. And they kind of like they just sent it into probably the worst time to release Tron, right? Because it, like E.T. was the month before just kind of rolling mm-hmm. over. There's so many other competition. and yeah, But it's but, it, they literally still do that to this day. They literally oh, I mean, constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a like they had like some deals with like they'll have deals with smaller theaters of like you keep Ant-Man in here for six months or we're not going to give you this Fox movie that we own yep. now. Yeah. And it just, that's ugh. how they got the original star Wars into theaters. It was the one they're like, you are going to run star Wars. If you want this other movie that we're putting out and they're like, fine, we'll take star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> I guess we'll make money. Fine. Uh, <laughs> no, but that was a true story. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that does not. Alan Ladd Jr. personally showed up to every cinema and was like, look you. Yeah. <laughs> Would you guys recommend this movie? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I know Tim. Tim's the yes. <laughs> I think like, I would recommend it to someone like Tim. Like, like I, I, I would look. So, like, when I make music, I have, like, demos. And I only send demos to, like, other musicians who, like, are like, okay, I can, like, fill in the gaps and, like, you know, so yes, I wouldn't recommend anybody who doesn't understand movie making. Like, I would not recommend this to. Oh. It's not like Chronicles of Riddick, where you're just telling everyone <laughs> to watch it, right? right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I don't. I I think this is an ET situation for me. I think if you are a young person who likes movies, if you're like, a, you know, if you either grew up in the 80s and you kind of know about it or whatever, and, and you know, you have some fondness there, even if you haven't necessarily seen it, if you like play the game. <laughs> but um, if like, if you're like a, mm, between eight and, and 15 and you're really obsessed with movies, I'd recommend it to you. 
but like overall and this is me just watch the new one it's it's so much better <laughs> it's it's a very similar story and it's so much better and it's so dope it's like an actual good movie in my opinion um but this yeah i there's some, definitely some fun bits um but yeah i it really depends on the circumstances i don't know i think if you were would want to watch tron you would have already watched it yeah you know that's fair yeah yeah all right let's get into our last question i think we're all tied you guys are tied and man just stump oh. you on the bunch you guys all have a point uh so we're going to talk about hacking uh in 2019 for the year 2019 i found some information on hacked passwords of course like the most common password used were a bunch of ones that you guys were already uh, you know uh, guessing one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, QWERTY, uh, password one, that kind of stuff. But I found some other ones that are a little bit more interesting. Okay, so what are the five most common names used as passwords in breaches? Common names John Which, Smith, just first names, John. <laughs> no, okay, all right. Well, let's we'll go ahead and throw out each one, guess one. It's not a word, Sorry, it's, it's specifically a name? It's a name. It's a okay. name. It's like a person's first name. And there's five. Toby, did you want to try again? Yep. Uh, how about uh, <laughs> Harry? Okay, that's one. I, I'm not saying it's good or no. Tim? <laughs> Mike. <laughs> oh, that was the second one, oh, Michael. Okay. Michael. Oh, maybe I should. Okay. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Tristan. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, Alex. Alex. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In in order, number one is Ashley. Oh, yeah, okay. there it is. Yeah. I was like, what's the woman's yeah, name? Like, oh, Ashley. Oh, Ashley. And uh, um, Michael is number two. Daniel, number three. Uh, Four is Jessica. Oh, of course. And five is Charlie. All right. <laughs> Next, he, uh, the five most common musician inspired passwords and breaches. These are these are musicians slash bands that were in mm. passwords. Bon Jovi. Tim? Metallica or Tristan, Billy Joel. Nope. Okay, Tim. I think is going to win the quiz this <laughs> this episode. Number one, Blink One Eighty Two. You love to see it. <laughs> maybe it's wow. maybe it's speaking more about like a fan uh, group than well, anything. Maybe, but you also you need letters and numbers usually. Yeah. Oh, that's so. true. There it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two is Blink's Fifty one. Cent. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. This is some 41. <laughs> oh no, they didn't make it. Three is Eminem. Four is Metallica, which uh, Tim got. Yep. And and fifth is Slipknot. Wow. <laughs> All right. So every episode 
Kristen, we go through and we rate our hero and villain on a few different uh, unique categories. So we're, we are going to, should we do Kevin Flynn or Tron? What do you guys think? Probably Flynn, right? Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, the three categories for heroes, uh, the first one is beefiness. Uh, second is charisma. And the last one's hair. I guess we can also include the hockey helmet if we want to <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, and then I guess we can talk about Sark slash Dillinger. Sark more of it or MCP? What do you guys think? I think the the MCP, the, the computer program, okay. is the main baddie, right? Yeah, I think like Sark is, is, a, is a, there's two villains. And yeah, I think like MCP is the one that's controlling everything. So everything is going according to my design. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's start with Kevin Flynn, Kobe. Uh, on beefiness, not beefy. I'm, I'm going to give him a one. Chari- very charismatic. I'm give him a five on that. Hair, he's got decent hair. Three on that. And that gives a total score of three Lundgrens. Tristan, this is on the Lundgren, the Dolph Lundgren Oh, scale. I understand. So, mm-hmm. um, is that smaller than a bread box? I'm not exactly. <laughs> my bigger, conversion rate. Much bigger. Oh, so <laughs> did you guys I really tell have you- to watch the British office? Oh, I, I guess I have to now. I did. I, you know what? I actually did. I must have just forgot about what this joke was all about. And I really feel foolish now. I'm probably saying something terrible by agreeing. <laughs> um, okay, Pem. Let's uh, rank Kevin Flynn. I'll give him a two on beefiness. He's not very beefy, but he's fit. You know, you see him, we see him shirtless. Uh, yeah, hair is three, and then uh, yeah, I, I give him a, a four on charisma. Yeah, he's pretty charismatic. Um, and then how about you, Tristan? Um, not beefy. Uh, probably was beefy for the time. I mean, I mean, not really, because you do have like Stallone. I mean- Walking around, yeah, Rocky Odin Three and Conan were the same summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's got like a negative three. <laughs> he's very lithe, um, but he's not PV. So I'm going to give him a one. Um, and then charismatic, I'm just going to give a five. And hair, I'm going to give him a five as well because he kept that head of hair till to this day, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on one second. My dog needs to be let out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I have a clip of the British office uh, up. <laughs> a bread box one? Yeah. But I'm not going to put the, the, mu- the sound oh, on. Yes. Uh, mostly for copyright. And All right, he's back. back. <laughs> yep, I, he had to go and kill some possums. All right, uh, so that's a one, five, and five for Kevin mm-hmm. Flynn from Tristan. For myself, I gave him a one in beefiness, only one Lundgren, because obviously we saw some amazing beefcakes so far this season. Mark Singer, Dolph Lundgren, he is not there. Uh, but five for Charisma, uh, he managed to make out. He, he introduced Kissing into the 
computer world. <laughs> and hair, I think I just, yeah, I think I'm going to just do a three. It was good, but not great. It was average. And that gives them an average score of 3.17, which does not, he's more middle of the pack. Our, yeah. So far, our number one leader is Flash Gordon. I don't know if you've seen that. The 1980 Flash Gordon. Not yet. Uh, so amazing. Oh, so <laughs> can't, can't be nonsense with a sweet Queen soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get into MCP, the Master Control Program, an ex-chess uh, program. Gone Rogue, starting to break into the Pentagon and other places somehow. <laughs> this movie is so stupid. <laughs> I don't even know why. It's just like it's like the Terminator um, thing mm-hmm. where it's just it's just going crazy, right? I don't know. It was just... Yeah. Like, uh, it wants to perfect humanity is kind of its bit, right? Yeah, I can control humanity better than it can control itself. But like, it what point, did right? what did Encom do exactly? Like, they're developing a laser to like put things into a computer, but they made all their money off of video games. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they they, they 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 promoted the CEO because he developed some video games. Like, <laughs> I like, yeah, video game. Well, you've been a developer at Activision for 25, <laughs> three years. And so here you go. You're the FBI. Right? <laughs> you're, you're the entire FBI, if you can believe. Yeah, it's like EA Sports is like, we're going from Madden to like nuclear defense or right. something like yeah. that. You got to challenge everything, yeah, man. Like... Uh, okay, so the three categories for our villain is competency, organization, and clothing slash accessories, which we might have to go into more accessories because he was not mm. clothed. <laughs> I don't think. Well, at the end, anyways, we don't have to get into yeah, right. <laughs> Uh Toby, what do you think? Uh, this is probably the most competent. Uh, okay, well, I'll give him a four because he did try to break into the Pentagon or threatened it. Um, yeah. Five on organization. Um you know, if we don't give this MCP credit for the character's clothing, I give it a very low score. I'm going to give it a, a one because it doesn't have clothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tim. I agree. I have five, five and five on the organization and, uh, and uh, um, competency. But then I think, yeah, he doesn't have clothing or accessories. He's, it's just a spinny face, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'll give him a one. Uh, I I'm 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 gonna go in reverse because I know my thoughts for the the clothes. I'm giving him a five. I love the look. He's making it work. He's not wearing any clothes. He's not wearing any accessories, but he does look dope. I love the weird big face. I think it's hysterical. I think he's organized because he's a computer so like that's the whole bit not pun not intended but it was there (laughs) uh my bit is worse than my bite um but i so i'm I'm gonna give him a four there because he clearly has some sort of error going on though but as far as like competency i'm giving him a two he can't even get his computer programs in line he can't make anything happen for himself other than bringing up pictures of of McDonald's item menus <laughs> up on the computer screen. Like, he can't. Anyway, 
that's those are my thoughts. So it's a five uh, in in normal order. <laughs> it's a two, a three, and a five. <laughs> um, that is, and that gives him a three point three three score. And so I think I'm just going to give him about a three for competency. He's doing pretty good. Actually, maybe a four because he, he managed to get that laser. He had a pretty he good. Did manage oh, that to was get the very laser. competent. Yeah. Mm. And then he had that nice organization with all the light bikes and the uh, cyber jail and stuff like that. But, you know, I I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree on the clothing thing. It's just, uh, unfortunately, it was just this beam of light that just didn't look that great. <laughs> so I'm just going to get that at one as well. So all together, that gives MCP, Master Control Program, a total schooler, score of 3.42 which is also kind of, I need to rank these, but it it is more um, middle of the road, uh, well below our leader, which is Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon. Once again, you should see Flash Gordon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. that, and with that, we get to the end of today's episode. Tristan, thank you so hmm. much for being on. I had a lot thank of you fun. for having me. And once again, um, for our hipsters that made it to the end of this episode, where can they find your work? Just go to my website, tristanjmiller.com, and I'm on Twitter, tristanjmiller1. Because there's another one, there's at least five. <laughs> there's another hips. one, there is another. Uh, uh, and I, I use that most regularly if you want to keep up to date with me. And you can find the aging hipster at a bunch of places. I'm an old man, so I use Facebook the most. And I don't <laughs> understand Twitter and Instagram is, is, is way too much. Uh, but I am there as well. I'm at Instagram at the Aging Hipster Network, uh, Twitter, uh, like Hipster Aging. I don't even know how I ended up with that. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for listening to the Hipster Movie Show. The show was written by Bob Serrano, Toby Kratz, and Tim Holly, produced and edited by Bob Serrano. The theme song was written by Kid Mental. Uh, check us out online, join our Facebook group, or go to the uh, www.theagenthipsternetwork.com. If you email us or, uh, or something, we, we I still will send you something. I don't know what it is. No one's emailed yet. I'm, I'm still out there. That, that thread's still there. We'll make... <laughs> and do something you know old like hand me down kid clothes or something like that Uh (laughs) Uh, i know what i'm gonna do after this call (laughs) anyways once again thank you and have a good night end of line